message was recorded at River City Church. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. few Sundays uh, we've been talking about the nature and the character of God the Father and we've seen several things we've seen how Jesus revealed him to be the God who cannot stand back from us because he is love and love comes in person we've also seen how in fact he cannot be the God who demands that you first do something for him before he'll do something for you but in fact we can actually only love him because he first loved us and we saw also that because he's a God who cannot separate loving from giving, then to find the love of God in your life is to find his presence, his spirit at work in your life. So today again, I wanna speak about the Father, and I guess I'm gonna speak things which, given our natural experience of this world, may sound foolish to you, but I really believe that as you listen, this gospel, this message about how good he is, is so powerful that you can find as you listen, even the experience of this life manifesting in you, that you can find yourself receiving the very life I'm speaking of entirely by the grace of God. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Apostle Paul had a name for that phenomenon, you could say. He described it as the begetting of life. And he spoke of it as happening through the preaching of the gospel. And today we're gonna to see that this life is a gift from above. It is not a reward from above. Now you may say, I'm hearing you, but I'm not understanding. What do you mean? What do you mean about receiving this life? What does that feel like? I mean, how would I even know that God is speaking to me? Well, the best way I could describe it perhaps is to say that as you listen, you will find that the gospel is answering questions that have weighed so heavily on your life for so long that you'll never realize how much until you find those questions being lifted off you as you find answers coming through hearing the truth. You will find that these words seem to be speaking directly into your situation and you'll find a great desire to know more. No wonder the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. For when you begin to see how good he is, you just can't get enough of hearing about him and from him. So what I wanna show you today is that he is so good that his love for you is not determined by and so not limited by your love for him. Let me put that in a simpler way. He loves you as a father. Now, there is a world of difference between praying as I did for many, many years, our father who art in heaven, and actually knowing God to be your father. And that world of difference is the difference between living as an employee of God and living as a child of God, a son of God. So what we're going to see today is that receiving this truth, that God loves you as a father, has profound implications in our lives. Because when we begin to recognize what is and what is not the voice of God, we can finally begin to grow up into the life he gives us, into what the Bible calls the spirit of sonship, the life of a son of God. Now, that term, sons of God, includes men and women, just like the term, the bride of Christ includes men and women. In other words, until we know God as Father, we cannot know ourselves as sons. 
So I want to share with you today and next week that God has a calling on your life, a name, an identity in Christ. And until you receive his name for you, you will be left in this world trying to make a name for yourself, a life for yourself. Now, a world full of people striving to make a name for themselves, toiling to produce a life for themselves, the good life, is a world full of toil and hardship. And you know, Scripture uses the Greek word poneros to describe that sort of world. And the English translation of that word is evil. God is such a good father that the idea of you and I living in a world where we have to make a name, make a life for ourselves, he sees that as evil. It's no accident, you know, that when Jesus promised his disciples that the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, would come to them, he actually said, I will not leave you as orphans. That's John 14, 18. The more you let the Holy Spirit renew your mind, change your thinking, the more you can repent of living like an orphan, living like someone who has been left fatherless. Now, that work of repentance, despite what many people will tell you, is not a work of the flesh. It's a work of God's Spirit from whom every believer is birthed and through whom every believer grows up into their sonship. Every good father wants to see their children grow up into maturity, for he wants his children to share the fullness of the life that he knows. Let's talk about growing up. I don't know if you've ever had the experience of meeting some old school friends, maybe perhaps um, maybe a distant cousin or perhaps someone you haven't seen since you were nine or ten years of age. And when you first meet them as an adult, the only way they have to relate to you for the first few minutes is to relate to the person they knew you were when you were ten. Now, normally after a few minutes, as you chat together, of course, they begin to relate to you as an adult, the person whom you have become. But I think in every family, we all have a relative, maybe an old auntie or uncle, uh, that insists that every time they meet you, they're going to bring up that old story, those old stories of the stupid things you did and the stupid things you said when you were 10. <laughs> it's almost as if they can't handle the fact that you grew up and they cannot relate to you, cannot identify you, except by what you did in the past. Now, you do your best to be polite and you smile, but what you really want to say to them is, excuse me, I am actually more than what I once did or once said. There's a lot more to me now than that. Now, I believe that's exactly what the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, says to every believer who has been conformed to the pattern of this world, which is seeking to make a life for yourself by what you do. He would say, excuse me, child of God, you're actually much more than what you have done or said. There's a lot more to you now than that. You see, only when a believer comes to see by the Spirit who they are in Christ and whose they are, the Spirit of whom they were born of again, do they find the power to stop letting this world or anything that happens to them in this world name them, shame them, or identify them. I want to show you today that we learn to see by the Spirit, to see who God sees us to be in the same way that men and women have always had their eyes opened, by being spoken to by the Spirit of God. Now, how does the Spirit of God speak to us today? In the same way He, was, he has always spoken to His church through men and women moved by His Spirit. Men and women beginning to see how God sees and so beginning to speak what God is saying. It is so important 
that the church, that believers start to see people as God sees them. And it's so important that I want to ask us as believers a question this morning. How do we know if we are beginning to see people as God sees them? The answer I have for you is we begin to speak to them with the heart of a father, not a manager. Now listen to the difference. A manager can give you great advice that can result in increased productivity in your life. Much church leadership in recent years has been so focused on growing the church that managerial language has become almost the norm. The result is that many of us as believers struggle to see ourselves as who we are in Christ, who we are in the Father's eyes, because our vision is being formed by the words of people who see us primarily as workers for his kingdom, rather than sons in his kingdom. You see, a father never looks at his children primarily as workers. My wife and I, we have four wonderful children who have all grown up to work in four different fields, but they weren't birthed out of our need to have people doing that work. We named them and we have always spoken to them as the apple of our eye, irrespective of their productivity. You see, a father, a father does not value or measure his children's worth according to their performance. And that's why a father can impart what a manager cannot. He can impart a revelation of identity that transcends earthly performance. He can impart the life of a son, not the life of an employee. Now, was that not the picture, the very picture that Jesus gave us of the father in this parable of the prodigal son and the elder brother? A father entreating both sons to stop making a life for themselves and enter into the life he had already prepared for them. When you come to see that you are a Christian, not because of your new behavior, but because of your new birth, then you can finally stop trying to be a Christian and start living as a child of God. I'll say that again. When you come to see that you are a Christian, not because of your new behavior, but because of your new birth, then you can finally stop trying to be a Christian and start living as a child of God. Now, the Christian life is Christ's life the life of a much-loved son, a perfectly loved son. Only knowing your loving father enables you to live as a much-loved son. No wonder when his disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to relate properly to God, he said, you must begin here. Our Father who art in heaven. You see, our Father who art in heaven is not a statement of a goal to be reached, but an identity to be birthed from. We're talking about the difference between earthly vision and heavenly vision. Between you, believer, seeing yourself as men see you and seeing yourself as your heavenly Father sees you. It is the difference between seeing the life God has prepared for you or seeing no further than the life you have made for yourself. Now, when we resist the revelation of God's Spirit, the revelation of the life, the name God has already prepared for us, then we are left what the Bible calls earthly-minded. We are left relating to God according to our own earthly record. And so we can't help thinking and so speaking of heaven above as a goal to reach one day. In other words, we can't help preaching the gospel as a manager would. 
in terms of here is what you need to do for God in order to qualify for the kingdom of the Son. But to see by the Spirit of God, to see as the Father sees, is to see that heaven above is not your goal. It is your starting place because you were born from above. Believer, that's why Jesus told Nicodemus that the only way that anyone can see the kingdom at all is by being born from above. To see what the Spirit of God sees is to see that the gospel does not speak to believers as earthly religions do. The gospel does not speak of our lives as ending above. It speaks of our lives as being birthed from above. And that's why the gospel of God's grace is an anathema to religion, foolishness to the earthly minded. For the best God, the wisdom of this world can conceive of is a God who is a manager, a God who would have heaven, his presence as the target goal, the finishing line to be attained. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart conceived of what the Holy Spirit has revealed to us, that for all those who know God as our Father, heaven is not our finishing line, it is our starting place. As we saw last week, the Christian life does not begin in you or I, it begins in God for it is his life. Now that's why the Holy Spirit still speaks to the church as he spoke to the Colossians and says to us too in this generation, set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. You see, a manager speaks to believers primarily as workers for the kingdom who, by the lives they lead, qualify themselves for the kingdom. Such managers always leave believers more conscious of their earthly record than their heavenly calling. But a father speaks to believers primarily as sons of the kingdom. And by such words, believers can live in thanksgiving because in knowing that it is the father who has qualified them to share in his kingdom. Their lives are rooted and grounded in his love for them, not their love for him. That's Colossians 1.12. You see, a father does not measure or value his children's worth according to their performance. And that's why a father can impart what a manager cannot, a revelation of identity that transcends earthly performance, the life of a son of God. This is why believers need the gospel preached to them by more fathers and less managers, so that our lives can be formed and raised in the security of what is, not the insecurity of what may be. Proverbs 13:12 says it like this, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. You see, the message of Christ and him crucified is not an earthly message of what may be one day if you. It is the heavenly message of what is today because he. It is the message that in Christ our dreams have been fulfilled. The Father has qualified us. He has called us. He has named us as his sons and that is why Christ has become for us our tree of life. Now to hear the gospel preached as the Holy Spirit would have it preached is not to hear mere instruction on how to live it is to hear a revelation that births you and empowers you to live an entirely new life, one that has its source in God and His grace, not you and your best intentions. 
Paul preached the gospel in this way to his churches. I want you to listen to what he said to the Corinthians, even as he rebuked them from 1 Corinthians 4.14. I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. For this reason, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. What an amazing statement. Paul actually says to those believers, I have begotten you through the gospel. In other words, I have become your father through the gospel. He then names Timothy as his son in the Lord, as Timothy was living a life that was begotten, that was conceived, that had found its source in what Paul was teaching. Now, we've been speaking this morning about having our eyes opened to see ourselves as God sees us by the preaching of the gospel in the way the Spirit would have it preached. As we are still by the grace of God, 2,000 years later, reading a New Testament of which two-thirds was written by one man, I think we can safely assume that Paul preached the gospel the way the Spirit wanted the gospel preached. In our modern managerial church era, I suspect that the Holy Spirit would still say to the church today, you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. We as believers need to hear the gospel as Timothy heard it from Paul. He heard it as the call of a father, not a manager. He heard it as the message not of what he was called to do, but who he was called to be. For God knows that all of our doing flows from whom we are being. You know, when I was growing up, my father worked as a vet and he had a surgery attached to our house, a little building where he saw the clients, you know, and for years he didn't have a receptionist and so that folk just packed into that waiting room with all their dogs and cats and just queued up to see him and sometimes that was a very long wait because he was so busy and uh, I used to love coming back and walking into that waiting room and walking right past that queue and straight in to talk to my father. That was the privilege of being his son. I didn't have to spend my life waiting to see him because I was born of him. You know, the life God has for you and I, the life he calls us into, is not a life of waiting religiously in a queue, obeying the rules of the waiting room in order to one day qualify ourselves to enter his presence. If you only know God as your manager, then you're living as if your hope is in your behavior in the waiting room. But to know God as Father is to know that his presence is not your goal. His presence is not the finishing line. His presence is your life, for you were birthed from him. No man can see this except by the Spirit of God. To see by the Spirit of God, to see as a father sees, is to see that heaven above is not your goal, it is your starting place, for you were born from above. Now, it was never God's intention to leave you with the idea believer, or to leave anyone with the idea that they can birth such a life themselves to leave you trying to produce a name for yourself or a life for yourself. He always saw such a life as striving and toiling. He always saw such a life as evil. When folk asked Jesus what they had to do to gain this life of God, this eternal life, he was always careful not to give them something to do, 
not to point them to themselves, but to point them to the Father's doing, what the Father had done. And what the Father has done is give his Son. He has given you his life in his Son. Receive a Son, you receive his life. Receive his Son's life as your life, and you can stop trying to make a life for yourself and start living the best life as possible to live, the life of a perfectly loved Son, the life of Christ. John 3, you know, records Nicodemus asking Jesus this eternal question, how can a man be born again? How can a man be born from above? You just think for a moment of all the various answers you've heard to that question down the years. Now listen to Jesus' answer. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Do you see that Jesus did not answer him as a manager would, by giving him a list of things he should do? Jesus did not point Nicodemus to himself. He pointed him to the Spirit of God, and he described being born of the Spirit as something that can no more be produced by a man than we can produce the wind. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. My prayer is that through the words I have shared this morning, you too can experience the wind of the Spirit, a wind that comes from above, and brings life from above. The life from above, the life of a perfectly loved son, is as Paul described it, it is begotten in us through the gospel. A gospel, a message that points to a perfectly loving father, not a performance loving manager. It is by the revelation the gospel brings that we begin to see as the father sees. And what we see is that the gospel is not an earthly message of what may be one day if you. It is the heavenly message of what is today because he. And I pray today that his gospel will beget in you his life so that you can turn away from trying to produce by yourself the life of God, the life of a Christian, and simply start bearing the life of a perfectly loved son, the life of Christ, a life carried to you by a wind from heaven, the very spirit of God. God bless you.